0: Hey Bethany, Joe Fogel here. Welcome to our online service. It is April 26th and we are so glad that you are with us. Just a few updates, highlights um, we got going on. If you are a kid, um, Ron Galvin and Emily have been putting together some great kids lessons. um, So we encourage you to check those out, to take advantage of watching those on Sunday alongside of our um, main service. We also have for junior high and high school students, um, we meet on Wednesdays during um, the midweek, uh, to be able to encourage one another, to learn from God's word. And so we would encourage you to join those video Zoom hangouts that we have. And uh, if you're not connected in a life group, please uh, join our website and, or sign on to our website to join one of our life groups. We'd love to get you connected and to be praying for you. And so uh, today I pray as we, as we worship together through the, the lesson for today, the, the sermon preached for today and worshiping together, I pray that we can just uh, really focus in on uh, who God is, what he's calling us to um, during during this season, and just to let you know here at Bethany, we love you, we miss you, we're thinking about you and praying for you.
1: Good morning, church. Let's take some time in our living rooms this morning. Let's recognize the sovereignty of God. Our Lord who gives and takes away, blessed be his name. Blessed be your name In a land that is plentiful Where streams of abundance flow Blessed be your name Blessed be your name When I'm found in the desert place Though I walk through the wilderness Blessed be your name Every blessing Every blessing Bring that. Up... so much for this opportunity in our homes, in our living rooms to praise you, to give you the the worth that you deserve Lord we ask that you uh, work through this message this morning uh, to grow and change our hearts and minds we ask that you speak through Pastor Jared now mightily through your word, your word to us that you've left may it transform our hearts in Jesus name Amen.
2: When you have a job to do, you need equipment that you can count on. When there's a journey ahead of you, you need a vehicle you can count on. And when the road ahead is cloaked in shadow and riddled with potholes, well, you need a faith that you can count on as well. Life is a journey, isn't it? It's a journey. It begins with wonder and discovery. Everything is new. Every experience is a fascinating encounter. One of the great joys of being a parent is watching your children experience things for the first time. That's one of the reasons we take them to the beach, or we take them to the snow, or we give them a bowl of ice cream probably far before they really should have it. And we let them stay up late at night just to see the stars in the sky. But as we grow older, we realize that life isn't all giggles and jelly beans, right? There are hardships, there are hurts, there are obstacles, there are owies. And some foods that they say are good for us are just disgusting. Peas? Are you kidding me? It's gross. When we come to realize that all forks in life are not just for eating, but for confronting us with life altering decisions, we begin to see that this journey that we are on is certainly not an easy one. It's not easy. There are obstacles and dangers and uncertainties and unclear choices, threats and thieves around every corner and seemingly in every crevasse. And then comes the curveball. That giant bomb that just unexpectedly falls out of the sky and wreaks havoc on our hopes and dreams. Everything that you've been trying to build, a virus, rattles you to the core and causes you to question whether or not there's anything that you can really rely on. We're all familiar with that tale of the three little pigs and the homes that they built. To protect themselves from that hungry wolf, those huffs and puffs that he would bring, Jesus told a similar story about two builders. They built two houses. Well, the key in Jesus' illustration, it wasn't in the materials that these builders used. It was in the foundation on which these houses were constructed. Apparently, one builder just loved the view. Location was everything to him. He had to be by the ocean. He loved the sound of the, the, the waves crashing and the cool breeze of, of the, the ocean wind. He Loved it, but he built his house on sand. And when the storms inevitably came, and when those waves rolled in and crashed against the side of his house, it didn't stand a chance. But there was another builder, a builder who is far more practical. He built his house on solid rock and it was impenetrable to the crashing of the relentless tide. As you make your way through life and encounter all sorts of life's storms, do you have a foundation that's reliable? A hope that cannot be crushed, a vehicle that will keep on working no matter what's thrown at it or how blistered or broken the road ahead may be. Here in Genesis 31, we read of a man who was under threat. And that actually was nothing new for Jacob. He was a man who had seen his fair share of mishaps and misfortunes. In fact, it seemed like almost everything was working against Jacob. Though he was the one that God said the promise would filter down through, he ended up being the second born. It seemed as if he knew something of the agony of being in second place because even as he was being born, they say, we read, he was grasping the heel of his brother who came out first. His brother would be the macho man. He would be the the strong, burly, hairy hunter who would go on to win the heart of his father because he would bring home tasty treats for his father to enjoy. Jacob, on the other hand, well, he was more of a mama's boy, always trying to get ahead, always trying to prove himself. He managed to get his older brother to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup, but What did that actually accomplish other than to earn his brother's resentment? When he listened to his mom's advice and tricked his father into giving him a blessing, well, the whole thing backfired on him. His brother, he threatens to kill him, leaving Jacob no other option than to flee for his life with nothing but the clothes on his back. But things took an apparent turn for Jacob when he arrived in Haran. He saw a girl. And he was starstruck, the girl of his dreams. Could this be a new beginning for me? Are things going to change? I just feel it. Something's going to happen. And he loved this girl so greatly that he agreed to work for her father for seven years just to get her hand in marriage. And those days, we read, they went by like the blink of an eye. The big day finally arrived. He must have been ecstatic. Finally something good. Things are going to change. I can feel it. But the celebration soon turned to horror as he discovered that by some unknown, extraordinary means maybe, Laban, the father, had swapped brides on him. And he married Rachel's older sister, Leah. To get Rachel, he would have to agree to another seven years of indentured service. In that time, the harmony is in his home would deteriorate. And his two wives now, they would begin to have a, have a, a competition that that, that is formed in their relationship. The joy of having children, it transformed into jealousy, into bitterness, into, into ugly competition, and there was horrible unrest in that home. Not only that, his father-in-law Laban continued to use Jacob for nothing but personal gain. He had gained a lot as Jacob served for him. Jacob served faithfully. He shepherded his flocks, and those flocks prospered. So when the time came for Jacob to say, hey, I need to start making some money of my own because I need to take care of my family that I've got here, which is growing immensely. Well, Laban said, okay, we'll do that. But Laban also took that as an opportunity once again to manipulate Jacob, to take from him and give him nothing. And so he tricked him This was a rough go of it. A series of unfortunate events. Everything seemed to be working against Jacob. And yet as we read, we find that he prospered. The journey had not been an easy one, but there were signs of blessing that God had promised to him back at Bethel. And all of that was actually coming to pass. And yet even as he started amassing some some personal wealth, finally experienced some real prosperity, he had arrived in Haran with nothing, but now he had a family and significant possessions, that's when he comes to find that his brothers-in-law are now filled with resentment. Verse 1, chapter 31 of Genesis, verse 1 says this, Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that, our fa- all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. See, as Jacob stayed with Laban more and more, Jacob, Jacob prospered. The last time we were in Genesis, we read of how the portions of the flock that, that he was raising uh, that were supposed to be his, the spotted ones, remember? Those were flourishing. Those were multiplying so much so that the, David's flock was now dwarfing Laban's flock. And in addition to that, Genesis 30, uh, 30 43 tells us that he, he started attaining servants, Male and female servants, he had donkeys, he had camels. Jacob had become a wealthy man. What a great rags-to-riches story. This is the American dream, isn't it? Follow your dreams, work hard for it, keep going even when the chips are down, and you'll find the success that you're looking for. But wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you just know it? when you finally reach the top of the heap, when you become king of the hill, well, that's when there show up all kinds of people who just want to tear you down. Not only were Laban's sons turning against Jacob, but we read that Jacob had fallen out of favor with Laban himself. The threat was real. The tension was palpable But Jacob stood on an unshakable foundation. He found reliability for the road ahead in God. That same God that had promised to be with him back in Bethel when he was sleeping with his head on that rock, that same God that promised to bring him back to his homeland speaks. He speaks in verse 28 or in Genesis 31.3, I should say. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. And just like his grandfather Abraham before him, Jacob obeys without any sort of hesitation. He goes out and he grabs his wives and he speaks to them in the field and he says this, verse five, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and molted. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, jacob and i said here i am and he said lift up your eyes and see all the goats that make with the flock are striped spotted and molted for i've seen all that laban is doing to you i am the god of bethel where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me now arise go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred now it's Important for us to know that Mesopotamian law code prohibited husbands from taking their wives away from their families without their consent. So that's what Jacob is doing here. He's laying a case trying to convince them to leave with him. And notice as he's laying this case out, he doesn't simply describe all of the injustices, the horrible things that their father had done to him, nor does he sing of his success and talk about what a great person he is and how he stood strong in the face of opposition. There may have been a time when he would have done that. There may have been a time where he would have taken credit for his victories. There certainly was a time when he looked to his own devices for overcoming adversity, making things happen, getting what he thought should be coming to him. But since that night that God visited him back in Bethel, under that star-studded sky, he began to see that self-reliance was a risky business. It's a risky business. Whereas a close connection with his creator was all that he needed to walk through the ominous storms. Reliability for the road ahead, Jacob realized was only found in God. Though Laban had deceived him, God was with him. Though Laban had cheated him, God protected him. Though Laban tried to keep him from having any personal gain in breeding animals, God miraculously thwarted his ill-conceived efforts and caused Jacob to prosper. And it was the same God, the same God that now commanded him to take his family and all that he had to return to his homeland How could his wives possibly object to that? Well, they don't. Look at verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion of the inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, Whatever God has said to you, do. Over the last 20 years, they had come to see how selfish and how conniving their father really was. In fact, they came to realize that they too had been the victims of it. You see, the money that a groom would pay to marry his bride back in the day, the bride price, that was intended to be held by the bride's father. It kind of insurance policy. Should the, the groom eventually pass away, leaving the bride behind her, or maybe the groom uh, was unfaithful and abandoned his family, well, then the father would release that money so that his daughter and her children could be cared for. But seeing how their father had had even taken that money that should have been saved for them he took it and he squandered it away on himself seeing all of that they they look at jacob and they say jacob we're with you we're absolutely with you whatever misfortune has come upon our father whatever blessing has come to you well that's just justice that's just god giving us what we deserve and what our father deserves let's get out of here we're through so in the springtime, when Laban and his kinsmen were out shearing sheep for days, maybe even weeks, this sometimes took a long time, that's when Jacob takes his family and they leave. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. Verse 18, he drove away all his flock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan, Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and rose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Now we don't know what possessed Rachel to take these household gods—probably graven, little graven images uh, 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 of human figures. Maybe she took them just out of spite. She's just mad at her father. She's, well, I'm going to take this, these things that he cares about, his precious little gods. I'm going to take these. See how he likes that. Maybe it was out of spite. Maybe it was to, for protection. Maybe she had seen her father use these household gods for a type of divination and she thought that by taking them, she was going to prevent him from seeing where they were going. Maybe one commentator believes that they may have been taken just to to indicate that she and her family were the rightful inheritors of all of his possessions because the gods would go with whoever was going to inherit I don't know. I don't know what it was. Whatever the case, it certainly fueled the fire that would burn in Laban as he heard the news of their departure. The tension, it was building. Even Jacob's own family seemed to be working against him, didn't they? This move on Rachel's part, it wasn't helping him at all. There's something else that's important for us not to miss here. Notice also in verse twenty how the narrator, how Moses refers to Laban as Laban the Aramean. There's there's a separation that we're intended to see here. Something's taking place. The outset of their journey, it begins to create a, a distinct ethnic divide. Jacob and his wives, his 11 sons, they would now become this distinct people different than Laban and his family. So here we see in the midst of the human mess, one commentator says, in the midst of of the human compost, God was fulfilling his promise and building out of Abraham's descendants the nation that he had promised Abraham long ago. Though Laban and Jacob's brothers-in-law and and even Rachel, his wife, they seem to be working against him Jacob had reliability for the road ahead. You see, no obstacle was too great. No opposition too strong. The God who met him in Bethel would keep on working out his good plan and purpose through it all. Could it be that that same God is still working out his purposes even through the current difficulties that you and I find ourselves in. Laban was furious. We read in verse 22, When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. Now this wouldn't have been much of a contest. The odds were clearly stacked against Jacob with all his children, with all his animals, all his possessions that he had taken with him. They couldn't be moving very fast. There was no way they, they could outrun the speed of Laban and, and his kinsmen, his crew. Even at Laban's old age, his kinsmen, they were, they were sure to be more war ready than Jacob's entourage. So once, that, once Laban caught up with him, it wouldn't be any contest. It was only a matter of time. Only a matter of time before Laban caught up with him, corners him, makes him beg for mercy. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the odds are just stacked against you? Maybe you've experienced some type of unmerited, unjust opposition. Maybe you've been trying to do the right thing trying to live some type of moral life, even trying to hold fast to, to biblical convictions, things you read clearly in Scripture and say, well, I, I, you know, though the world may be going this way, I need to stand on these. You're trying to be obedient to God's call for your life. But like Jacob, you've fallen out of favor with others. Maybe you've been falsely accused Maybe in your efforts to love God and and love other people, you've actually been labeled unloving. Maybe even hateful. One of the sure things in this life is conflict, isn't it? It's everywhere. We find it in people, we find it in politics, we find it in natural disasters, we find it in viruses. Remember what Jesus said? in this world you will have tribulation and he also said that if you're one of his followers well then you can especially expect trouble in your life he said in john 15 18 if the world hates you know that it hated me before i hated you if you were of the world the world would love you as its own but because you are not of the world but i chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you. Servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. My friends, this is part of being a Christian. It goes hand in hand with it. This is what happens when you throw in with Jesus and you journey with him through life. You can count on being Unpopular you can count on not being the bell of the ball or the one that everyone loves and all the moms want their daughters to marry. In fact, you'll be hated. You'll be hated for the very things that God loves. The rights that you stand for, those will be called wrongs. The truths that you cherish, those will be labeled as foolishness. The things that you value will be called worthless. In short, you will you will face opposition. Brace yourself. If they haven't come already, the storms will come. It's often in those moments that we... We find defense mechanisms kicking into gear. And we begin to think about how we're going to defend ourselves or how we're going to strike back. It seems foolish to just stay the course and keep doing what we're doing. But the reality is, if we're going to stand on a firm foundation, if we're going to hold on to what is truly reliable, if we're going to continue to obey God's call, And see him support us. Well then we got to seek first his kingdom. And we need to trust him. And we need to obey him. It's in those moments when the going gets tough. And the opposition is hard on our heels. That we need to hold tightly. Hold tightly. Even more tightly. To the one who is truly reliable. Laban was bearing down on Jacob. How would he deal with Jacob? What would happen when he arrived? Would he just cut him down in front of the eyes of his small children? Was this going to be the end of God's plan? Was everything that Abraham and Isaac hoped and and dreamed about and looked forward to, was that all for nothing? Would evil triumph over good? Here's the twist in our story verse 24 but god came to laban the aramean in a dream by night and said to him be careful not to say anything to jacob either good or bad this could have very well been the end of jacob could have very well been the end of God's plan from a strictly human standpoint it sure looked like it was going to be sometimes it looks that way for us the question is do we have confidence in God's ability to overcome even the fiercest opposition are we holding tightly to the one who is truly reliable god intervenes here in genesis 3124 but would it work? Isn't that the way it is sometimes? We look at the forces that are out there in our world, the opposition that is against us, and we go, wow, this is, this is really bad. This is really strong. I can't see how this is going to turn around or how that person could ever be convicted and, 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 uh, and go back and turn around and, and, and step away from their threats against me. But we serve a big God. A big God. Verse 25. Laban overtook Jacob. Of course he did. We knew he would. Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched his tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? That you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword. Why, why did you secretly trick me? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and leer? Why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. joke this guy is what a joke this guy is can you believe this after all the conniving after all the trickery after all the stealing the manipulation the abuse Stealing from his own daughters. Acting like he could care nothing for them. Proving time and time again that people didn't mean anything to him. All he cared about was getting more for himself. And after all that, he has the gall to play the loving, the heartbroken father. Try to make Jacob feel bad for running away. Can you believe this guy? Oh, Who are we we kidding? Parents do this to their children all the time, don't they? Children do this to their parents all the time. People do this to each other all the time. They try to evoke sympathetic feelings in others so that others feel sorry for them and guilty for their behavior and give them what they want. Go something like this. Well, if you love me, you'll dot, dot, dot or i only i only did those hurtful things or said those hurt hurtful things because i i care so much or or how could you think that or do that or say that after all i've done for you guilt and blame can be powerful tools but they're despicable forms of manipulation We need to check ourselves regularly, don't we? We need to make sure that we don't use tactics like those. And we also shouldn't be surprised when the opposition pulls the sympathy card and makes us feel like the bad guys. This is the world that we live in. Laban continues in verse 29. It's in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you've gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? No doubt, after 20 years of spending time with this man, this wasn't wasn't working with Jacob. He was impervious to these gutter-like tactics. But this last accusation that Laban throws at him, that kind of throws him for a curveball. It takes him off guard. Jacob quickly fires back in defense and unknowingly puts his wife in great danger. Verse 31, Jacob answered and said to Laban, "'Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force.'" Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel has stolen them. He's speaking in ignorance here. Laban, he goes and he rummages through the tents. Jacob has no idea how terribly wrong this may have gone here. But having hidden them under her saddle. She sat on the, on the saddle, on her camel. Rachel manages to convince her father that th- th- those gods, they couldn't possibly be there. He looked everywhere. One last place. Maybe, and she says, they can't be here. She says to her father, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you for the way of women is upon me. And not only could she not rise because of that, but it would have been unthinkable to Laban that those gods were under her. Because she was ritually unclean, that would mean that if those gods were were there, then those gods were unclean as well. And such contempt for sacred relics, well, that would have been far too low for any of his daughters. Having indulged Laban's suspicions, it was now Jacob's turn to have his say, and he doesn't hold back. Verse 36, then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you you found of all your household goods? "'Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen "'that they may decide between us two. "'These 20 years I've been with you. "'Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, "'and I've not eaten the rams of your flock. "'What was torn by wild beasts, I didn't bring it to you. "'I bore the loss of it myself. "'From my hand you required it, "'whether stolen by day or stolen by night.' There I was. By day, the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I have been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you've changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And as he lashes away at his accuser, notice one important thing here. Jacob does just as he did when he was speaking to his wives back in Haran. Well, it's true that Laban's actions had been totally dishonorable and Jacob's actions had been honorable all this time. Jacob attributes all the credit for his success and his prosperity. Even the current protection he is even now experiencing from Laban, he attributes that to God. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side. You see, Jacob realized that everything that he had was the result of the incredible grace of his ever-present, completely reliable God, God was the source of his hope. God was his source of provision. God was his source of protection. There's more here. Laban makes one more last lame attempt to baselessly claim his right to all that Jacob has. It, it amounts to nothing. And he decides to, to give up and on his attempts to stop him. The two would never be friends. And they essentially establish a a sort of pact, a a, a sort sort of peace treaty here that prevents any future aggression between the two of them. They, They needed something in writing, something in stone actually to prevent any attempts at aggression in the future. I'll let you read that for yourself later. The question that demands our attention this morning or this afternoon, this evening or whatever time you're watching this online. The question is this. As you make your way through life and you encounter life's storms, they come, don't they? As you make your way and encounter life's storms, do you have a foundation that's reliable? There's no surer foundation, no greater hope, no more reliable Savior than God. Trusting in Him, it may look like foolishness. The watching world sees you doing it, and they say, look at those, those misguided people. It may be tempting to think that there might be some tactic out there, some strategy, some sort of defense, or, or some attack that you can take that might be more effective in guiding you through, bringing you through, ending the misery that you're now experiencing, but there isn't. Your most sure hope is the same hope that Jacob had, and that is God. In the life of Jacob, we see the hands of a sovereign God working out His plan to bring about the Savior of the world through all of the messiness that these human beings could conjure up. In the midst of all of that, He was working out His will. He took a man, a man who manipulated, a man who deceived, did everything he could to get ahead in life, and he transformed him into a person who understood that every good and perfect gift comes from God above. He took a man who was on the run, a man who didn't have a penny to his name, a man who himself was deceived and manipulated and enslaved and exploited, and he made him the wealthy father of a nation on his way back to a promised land. Years later, by that same sovereign hand, God would deliver a people from the powerful fist of Egypt. He'd make that people his own. Many years after that, he would perform his greatest act of deliverance by defeating the most powerful enemy the human race has ever known when Christ defeated sin on the cross. The words of Romans 8, 28 to 32 remind us of that great deliverance and remind us of the confidence that we should now have in God because of it. Listen to this. And we know, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Are you one of those who have been called according to His purpose? Are you trusting in Him as your all-reliable foundation through the storm? If not, it's time for you to trust Him. It's time for you to trust Him right now. Confess your sin. Acknowledge your need for forgiveness. Trust that Christ paid for your sin as He died on that cross. And thank God for the wonderful new life that you can have in Him. For those of us who are already trusting in Christ, are we living like God is working all things together for good? Are we living like that? Or are we taking the world on our shoulders? Are we grasping for strength anywhere we can find it to fight our way through these storms in life? It's time for us to loosen our grip. Loosen our grip on our own abilities and set our hope completely on God. Ask yourself the Romans 8.32 question, he who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all, How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In Christ, our deliverance is real. We've experienced deliverance on a scale the world has never known. And if God was able to do that, won't he be able to get you through whatever you're going through right now? There are a lot of things we can look through to get us through difficult, uncertain times in life, but none are as reliable as God, who is continually working all things according to His good purpose. We need to trust Him. We need to obey Him, rely on Him, and watch in awe as He delivers on His promises again and again and again let's pray lord we thank you we thank you that you are that sure foundation that you are that all reliable source of strength that we can count on you and know That even as we see calamity left and right everywhere we turn, we know that you are still working out your plan and your purpose, and you have set before us a hope and a future. And you're going to deliver on that promise. We love you, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you as we walk through shadowy times, as we suffer as we care for others who are suffering, as we try to make sense of all the confusion, all the uncertain things that are happening all around us, Lord. May our hope be set only in you, and may our strength be found in you alone. We love you. Thank you for this time we've had in your word. Bless these people. Encourage them. Build them up. Protect them this week, I pray. In Christ's name and for His glory. Amen.
1: O great God of highest heaven Occupy my lowly heart Own it all and reign supreme Conquer every rebel power Let no vice or sin remain That is just your holy war You have loved and purchased me Make me yours forevermore I was blinded I was blinded by my sin Had no ears to hear your voice Did not know your love within had no taste for heaven's joys. Then your Spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me. Through the gospel of your Son, gave me endless hope. Steve Pen- Can-